Hey y'all, welcome back to What Happened to Syria. I'm recording this on the 10th anniversary of March 18th, 2011. I don't know if I'll be able to get it out the same day, but I'll try my best. This is what you could call a prototype bonus episode. Future bonus episodes will feature interviews with people who either participated in or have extensive knowledge of the events we talk about in the main episodes. I'm going to put the first two or three bonus episodes out for free, and we'll occasionally unlock bonus episodes going forward. I want to say a few things about stuff I either misstated or left out in the first main episode. Then we'll go into what you'll see in upcoming episodes, specifically what kind of content to expect going forward. So I said that Hafez al-Assad was more of a socialist, and Bashar al-Assad was more of a capitalist. That's not exactly accurate. Hafez al-Assad was the one who began the privatization of the Syrian economy. But Bashar al-Assad was more out and proud in terms of embracing free market capitalism. Hafez al-Assad did have to present himself as a somewhat left-wing figure because he was a client of the Soviet Union. He did have to keep up appearances to a certain extent. But the Soviets were pragmatic enough to look the other way when he started to move towards a somewhat of a more capitalistic system, albeit with a lot of state control. It was the privatization of what was previously state-owned that really set Bashar al-Assad apart from his father. And it was Bashar al-Assad's policies that greatly exacerbated poverty, which in turn exacerbated the, the protests and unrest that would be seen all across Syria throughout the following spring of 2011. Also, I'm not a native Arabic speaker. I don't speak Arabic or Kurdish or Turkmen. I, I don't speak any of the languages spoken in Syria. I mean, by the way, people from Syria typically call it Surya, not Syria. I, I don't speak any of the languages from there. So I probably pronounced a whole bunch of names and places wrong. I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can. So what to expect going forward? Well, one thing we really prioritize is um, objectivity. I mean, we, we, we try to back up everything we say with facts. We have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to propaganda. We don't, we're not going to take sides when we talk about one side doing bad stuff to the other. Our goal for this series going forward is to tell the story in an objective, evidence-based manner. And we're going to hold different groups accountable when we come to a point in the story where they did some really bad stuff. And frankly, everybody who's listening to this probably, they may or may not know a little bit about Syria. They might have a group they like for one reason or another. And at some point, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to get pretty angry with me when I talk about when some group or government you like um, committed war crimes or other horrific crimes against humanity. I, I'm sorry. It happened. So we're going to try to be neutral, but we're, we're also going to be objective. We're not going to be neutral in the sense that, oh, well, everybody's doing bad things. Oh, it's both sides. Oh, it's all sides. No, we're going to call out people who need to be called out. We're going to call out factions who committed extraordinarily heinous acts. We're going to differentiate between when dozens of people were murdered versus when thousands of people were murdered. There, there's a certain point in time where you can say, yes, group A is bad. Group B is even worse. And that's not at all a defense of group A. It's just an objective fact that group B is worse because unlike group A, un group A is an insurgency. Group B is a nation state 
with the resources and firepower that comes with having a conventional military. That's the nature of the Syrian civil war. Now, we're not quite there yet. This is still early 2011. The next episode, we're going to focus on the events of March 15th to the end of March. This was a major turning point. March 15th is often stated as the day that the Syrian revolution began. Now, some people I know probably are going to get offended when I say Syrian revolution. They're going to say that like, oh, I'm not being neutral when I say that. But the thing is, whether or not you agree with the people who were protesting in March 2011, what they wanted to do, what they were trying to do was something similar to what had happened in other countries like Egypt and Tunisia. They wanted to demonstrate peacefully, most for the most part, with some exceptions, they wanted to protest against a, a fascist dictatorship. And the hope was that would either pressure the regime to make concessions or, if necessary, overthrow the regime. At this point in time, people were more inclined to push for reform rather than regime change. This would change over time, though, and I think you'll, I think you'll get a good idea for why this changed in our upcoming episodes. Now, today, on the day I'm recording this, March 18th, this is also a really important date to remember. This is also another important 10th anniversary right now in 2021. <clears throat> so basically, when you try to research Syria and the Syrian Civil War, you'll often see the dates either March 15th or March 18th listed as the day that it all started. Now, why is that? Well, Aaron Lund wrote a really great explanation for this in an article for the Century Foundation. This article is titled, The Politics of Memory, Ten Years of War in Syria. I'm going to quote a very short passage explaining the whole March 15th, March 18th situation. Quote, At the risk of overgeneralization, the preferences for March 15th or March 18th as symbols of the uprising tend to be distributed something like this. Leftist, liberal, minority, diaspora, and pre-2011 opposition factions will, generally speaking, view events through a March 15th prism. Others, including conservative Sunnis, Islamists, and armed rebels, may focus on the mass protests that began in Dara on March 18th, which has been the advantage of being the actual tipping point and also offers little more Sunni religious flavor. Of course, the same holds true for government loyalists, for whom the Damascus incidents hardly registered, but the Dara crisis was undeniably the starting point of something, even if it would betray that something as an extremist conspiracy, rather than a popular revolution, unquote. That was Aaron Lund writing for the Century Foundation in an article titled The Politics of Memory, Ten Years of War in Syria. We'll include a link in the description below. So that, that's a pretty good explanation for why March 15th and March 18th are both considered a big deal when it comes to what happened in 2011. And he also mentions the sort of like the pro-Assad viewpoint of it. What, what we're going to, one thing, one thing that we're going to get into going forward is how the supporters of the regime viewed the protests, how the regime described the protests. What you're going to see going forward is that they're often going to say that they're, quote, fighting terrorists, unquote. Now, the thing is, their definition of terrorism is pretty loose. Basically, the only thing you have to do to be called a terrorist by the Assad regime is hold up a sign during a protest. That's about it. 
or just going on Facebook and saying you don't agree with the government. That's pretty much all it takes to get labeled a terrorist. And we're going to try to take time to explain this in a pretty easy-to-understand manner with the uh, format for how our episodes are going to be structured going forward. So not all of our episodes are going to be um, strictly focusing on the chronology of what happened. Not not all of our episodes are going to be like what are, are going to be like the first one that you may have may or may not have just listened to. About half of our episodes are going to be what you could call chronological, sort of focusing on what happened and how one thing led to another. The other half are going to be divided between two other types. So as another quarter of our episodes are going to be what you could call topical episodes. They'll focus on specific topics, things like the local coordination committees. Basically, topical episodes will give us time to focus on things we didn't have time to examine in, in depth during the chronological episodes. The last type of episode, this is going to be the last quarter of our season, are going to be what you could call biographical episodes. We're going to focus on people. Now, this could be people within the regime. This, this is going to include this is going to include people in the regime, people opposing the regime, and other individuals who found themselves in these situations. Biographical episodes are going to focus on the people who found themselves either taking part in or at least affected by the events that have transpired since March of 2011. The next main episode going forward is going to be a topical episode. It's going to be focusing on media coverage of Syria since 2011, how this has distorted public knowledge to a large extent. Basically, whenever people talk about Syria, they're almost always talking about this from the lens of facts spun by the various spokespeople for various factions. It's not that it's not it's not always propaganda. There's, there's oftentimes truth to it, but there's been a lot of political spin from a lot of from several different actors, both inside of Syria and also from outside actors. Regarding the content coming forward, I want to go ahead and just issue a blanket trigger warning. Um, I know some people claim that those are overused, but we're going to be quoting books and articles with graphic descriptions of violence. And when I say violence, I know that sounds vague, but the thing to keep in mind is that for the last 10 years, at various points of time, Syria has been one of, if not the very most, violent place on earth. We are talking about a very violent situation. We're talking about a lot of people killing each other, a lot of people killing innocent civilians, a lot of people being tortured, a lot of people being massacred in single incidents. This is some really rough stuff. It is not at all for the faint of heart. If you are easily triggered, I'm sorry, I strongly advise you don't listen going forward because I, I know things sound fun and hopeful right now with the protests, like I feel ya, but it's not gonna last. That is gonna change. It's gonna get really, really dark really, really soon. There's gonna be some horrifying stuff that we get into very soon. I mean, I've I have vaguely mentioned how the regime tortured people to death. I'm gonna go more into that for the sake of chronicling history. I'm sorry, I'm not doing this for shock value. The fact is that people need to know what was done. For the same reason that, you know, we document atrocities like the Holocaust, so that we can hold people accountable. At the very least, we can set the record straight. Now, when it comes to setting the record straight for Syria, that involves confronting a decade of the worst atrocities human beings can do to each other. This includes atrocities committed against children. 
I'm warning everyone listening right now that of all the people who have been victimized in Syria since 2011, a huge number of them have been children. People, there have been several times where entire families have been abducted and tortured. There, there have been times throughout the last 10 years where children, of all people, have been abducted, tortured, raped, killed, or sold by several different factions within the conflict. This is a very rough subject with very, very dark moments. And everybody listening, I'm, I'm so grateful for everybody who has chosen to take some time and listen to this. Thank you so much. But I, I got to warn you, things aren't going to be as uh, feel good, perhaps, as they were in episode one. Things are going to get very, very dark. But we will also try to point out the hopeful moments when we come to them in the story. So, thank you to everybody for listening. This was the first bonus episode of What Happened to Syria. Follow us on Twitter at SyriaPod, and feel free to email us at whathappentoseriapodcast at gmail.com. Our first two or three bonus episodes will be released for free, but in the future they will be released only on Patreon to those who, who pay $3 or more. Now, not only is March 18th an important date when talking about Syria in 2011, it also happens to be my mom's birthday. So, happy birthday, Mom. I love you. Shout out to our first patron, Jaeger DePato. Pato.